All right, guys, uh, we're doing a podcast here with Josie Young over here at Silver Lining Herbs. Um, we're going to do it a little bit different today. Uh, we're going Facebook Live as well, and that's what we're going to start doing with all of our podcasts so we can do some Q&A and try to get some questions answered for you guys. But, you know, just thank you for being part of the Facebook group, and we just kind of want to show our members some support that way and make it a little bit more interactive. And, Josie, thank you for being here today, man. I'm kind of excited about this podcast with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's awesome. Ready to get this started. So what, uh, this is a little bit different, you know, we typically a lot of team roping podcasts and I've, I've wanted to branch out into other, other things because I, and other events and disciplines and businesses. And that's why I really was excited about this one. Cause man, you've NFR qualifier in the bareback riding, uh, come from a family of winners. That's what your dad is pretty, pretty well accomplished in the rodeo arena as well as you guys have your business, silver lining herbs team roper you've competed at the bfi a lot you've rodeoed a lot team roping um, mainly heading but i was just you know we what i think is so unique is getting to a high level rodeoing it, it's hard and um, and to do it in a rough stock event is it, it's so different than team roping but that's why i wanted to get with you and kind of talk to you about like the mental side of it because there's i think there's a lot of similarities between confidence and and, and kind of how you visualize before you basically nod your head. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't care what event you do. There's always a mental aspect to it. And uh, there's there's little tweaks that you got to go through. And that's the thing about me is I was one of the guys that, that did work both ends of the arena. Um, I had a dad that was a standout bareback rider and, and competed at the highest level, went to the National Finals Rodeo 11 times. So me as a competitor – um, being the son of a guy like that, I, I felt like I was very fortunate to have uh, his input and, and uh, a coach like that. But uh, I, I always wanted to rope. That was always what was in my mind. Um, I could coil a rope before I, I learned how to walk, actually. And uh, I actually didn't get, you know, involved into the bareback riding world until I was probably, oh, junior high, I started getting heckled by everybody. They're like, you got such a good coach in the bareback riding. Why are you not, why are you not getting on bucking horses yet? And I tell you, tell you the truth, I just didn't have a passion for it. I was kind of halfway scared to death, right. you know. But <clears throat> I started, you know, doing the groundwork and stuff like that. I, I could, uh, you know, I could, I could teach I could teach it at his schools. He'd always use me as a as an example, you know. And uh, so that's I started getting on a few bucking horses, and, and my dad was very very good um, about putting me on horses that wouldn't just kill me off, you know. And uh, so I started kind of figuring it out, and then that's when I started liking it. And so I, that's when I become a both ends of the arena guy. Right. Well, man, I, I think that's what's so unique is you talk about horses that won't kill you off. What that means to me is you're not getting slam dunked, in which is pretty easy to have happen, especially when you're first learning. But it kind of gets that confidence level up. And I think that is one thing. Like, It really jumped out to me when we were doing a podcast with Casey Jones and the Bulldog. And when he talks about his winning was directly tied to his confidence. And uh, did you notice that, like how, how your dad or you've kind of been able to, to do that and stay confident or how he kind of – got you going in that in that direction or was that something you had to learn along the way yeah for sure there's there's all these different uh levels um of confidence building that i can remember um i'd get on horses that 
might take one or two jumps in the course of eight seconds, but they would be high lopers, you know, and shoot, I'd make a couple licks on them and, and spur them a little bit, and then my confidence would step up a little bit more. And I just kept advancing, you know, going a little more and a little more and just pretty soon stepping it up. And before you knew it, I was, I was getting on horses that were, were actually, you know, halfway salty and wanting to buck me off, and, and I, was, I was hanging with it. And you, when you get to that level, then, then you got, I mean, even when you get to the, to the professional level, you have to, uh, you know, you get on horses that we would say hoppers, you know, what we call hoppers, um, which were always good to ride horses. And you could really show off on them, but then you get on one that might be a little droppy and really put it in your hand and, you know, make sure you do stuff right. And if you stub your toe, he'd throw you on your ear. You know, you got to be able to, you got to be able to decipher that and, and, uh, that's when getting on them hoppers will get your confidence up because if you got on a bunch of them yankers and then they, they throw you off and your confidence starts getting low, you know, you need that hopper every once in a while. And uh, I think it's the same in the team roping world. When somebody's learning their, their fundamentals of roping, but you don't just load a bunch of fresh steers for them that, that have never been roped. And, and you want those lopers where they can really work on positioning and and their, their throw and their swing, everything. So that confidence gets built and then you work yourself up. Right. I think that foundation is so key. Like you're saying, um, being able to know, like a, that's the one thing about it. When you go to the rodeos, it's pretty similar in the team roping, a loper, uh, a steer that lopes, most teams can place on him and you're going to win money on that steer. As long as, <clears throat> as long as you score and do your job pretty well, but them steers that are tough, that run hard, and when you're not drawing as well, those teams that can kind of win some money on them or make them into good steers, those are the guys that are really that get to the top. But also, it takes other guys the opposite way. When they're not drawing good and they're missing that steer, then pretty soon you see them. They, I feel like they start to press, and uh, then all of a sudden, when they do get that good one, they're trying to do too much as opposed to staying with that fun, you know, their fundamentals and. And that's like, I feel like you're just teetering when you ride that line of, you know, between building your confidence up and then as well as trying to put yourself in uncomfortable situations so you can improve and be ready for rank horses or steers. It's, it's a little, uh, there's not as many consequences riding a horse that, or a, a team open steer that you just miss. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, there was one thing that my dad used to always say that really helped me out a lot. It was the three Fs. You know, if I ever, if I ever made a mistake, and you know my confidence was dipping a little bit. He'd say three Fs, and those Fs were this: is find your mistake. First off, find your mistake. Okay. The second was fix your mistake. Figure out what you did wrong, fix it in your mind, and the third one is forget about it. Okay. Find it, fix it, forget it. And um, that didn't just that wasn't just something I used in in the bareback riding world. That was something I used in every competitive aspect of my life. You know, my dad got me started in boxing when I was eight years old. I boxed clear through college, and I traveled around and went to a lot of boxing events. I used it in the boxing ring. I used it in the bareback riding, and I also used it in the team roping world. Those are the three things that I did a lot of, and uh, it's just it helps so much. If you, if you cannot get your mind right and you don't have confidence and a positive mindset, I don't care what you do, you will not win. You will not win. You, you, have, you have to be winning in your mind. Right. And would you say a, a positive mindset, is that focused on, like, w let's say we have a, an issue, we fix it, and we forget about it. When you go to the next one, 
or the next whatever it is competitive, you're focused on how what you need to do. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I I would always I would always ride the next bucking horse <laughs> 200, 300 times in my mind. I'd picture myself stepping into the chute, running my hand in the rigging, uh, body position, nodding, riding him, getting off, get on the pickup, man. I'd ride that horse over and over and over again in my mind and or that team rope and steer or whatever it was you know and and so when i when i went to compete it was just reaction and it wasn't it wasn't something that i was overthinking because i've already done it 300 times before i did before i actually nodded my head right. so um if you if you have positive thoughts in your mind you'll have positive outcomes in the arena right so, so going to let's we'll put it in kind of a team roping term like, well, let's say we've visualized our run and we kind of know what we want to, we know the run that we're wanting to make, right? At what point in time do you basically stop thinking in the run? Is it when you ride in the box? Is it before you're up? Is it as you're not in your head? Or when, when does that kind of shut off and you let your subconscious take over? Well, I always had a deal that I, you know, I always relate it back to my dad. He would always say, deep breath. I'd run my hand in my rigging. And before I slid to my rigging, he'd say, take a deep breath because your, your adrenaline's rolling. I mean, it, you're, you're, about, you're literally about to go to war here, you know? And so um, when I take that deep breath, it just kind of brought me down a couple notches. And I always did the same thing in the team roping. I'd ride in there. I'd back my horse in the box. I'd step him forward. Deep breath. Right there. Back him in the corner. Make sure everything's right nod right. you know that deep breath just kind of took me off of it and then and then it was just total reaction from there you know you know and just just trying to keep my mind clear well i think that's so important and, and i i want to put a huge emphasis on that is there's two things that really jump out to me the first is the deep breath like not only does that kind of help relax and, and they probably have heard this boxing but that's probably something they tell boxers a lot is if you're tight and tense, you're not fast. If you're loose and relaxed, you're quick and you're reacting yeah. and you're, you're in the moment. And if you're trying to think your way through it, you're slow. And so being able to relax right there, you're relaxing your muscles as well as your horse probably feels it. And you're probably gonna increase the odds of you getting a better score out of your horse and him listening to you and feeling you because they're gonna respond to our body as well. Would yeah, you? oh yeah, that, and it's, the, I've related so much stuff from the bareback riding to the team roping, people think they're so much different, but they're, they are a lot alike in a lot of ways. Um, horsemanship doesn't stop on the bareback riding side. The horsemanship has helped me out a lot in my career uh, because you get them younger horses, them colt horses that are bad in the box, or you got an old sour one that's you know known for maybe flipping over on a guy or two in the in the buck and shoots, and that's an intimidating place to be when you're surrounded by solid steel and you got a 1,500-pound horse that wants to smash you. You know, um, I I could always read body language on horses, and that's something that I was taught from a very young age, and. So when I would step in there, it come from the time that I would walk to that horse with my bareback rigging. Um, before I hooked my rigging and everything, I'd just create a connection with that horse. I'd pet on him and, you know, just let him, just kind of put my hand on him and, and let him relax a little bit. And then I'd just ease around him. I didn't ram and jam. I would, when I'd stepped on him, you know, I'd keep guys away from me 
And uh, I would just kind of move him around with my own legs, you know, press and release. When he did something I liked, I'd, I'd let him alone, you know, just like we do in the team roping world. Right. I'd pet on him. And I was kind of known for getting out on horses that were bad in there. And that's the reason for it. And being out in the arena, you know, just being able to, uh, you know, talking to him when the picket man was coming in there, everything. And also in the team roping world, when, when you, like you said, if you are tight, if you are tense, um, they feel that. And it makes them come up a couple levels. And how are you supposed to get a good start if your horse is running through your hand, if he's nervous or something like that, he's tense. You know, you want him relaxed. You want him firing off your hand when you drop your hand. So that stuff always was something that I tried to pay attention to. Right. Well, and the other thing I, I want to know your opinion on this is I call it kind of the flow of the run. I feel like when I'm roping best is, you know, like we hit that spot in the box where I just shut off, like you say, and I'm just reacting and kind of going through the run and I'm feeling my horse and I'm reacting to the steer and, and basically you're just, you, your subconscious mind is running the entire show. You're not thinking at all. You're just, you're, you know, in the zone almost as, or some people call it that, but I just call it, you're in the flow of the run. Mm -hmm. I think bareback riding, that has to be the same way, you know, to, to be able to react and just kind of shut your mind off that way. Would, would you agree that that's kind of that point? For sure. I, I think when a person gets on those heaters, they call them heaters, you know, it's not, it's not something that's lucky. I think it's something that is, you're just so in contact and so in, in, in touch with what's going on in your mind, your confidence is up. You're, you're just, you are flowing, you know, and whether it's whatever end of the arena it is, you know, um, and it's, it's a good thing. So a person really needs to, to listen to that kind of stuff. What is it, what is it that you were doing when you were in this, in this flowing moment and now you're out of it? How do we get back to that? You know, just, just try to figure that out. Right. I'm still trying to figure that out sometimes. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it feels like it's really easy to do when it's good, but when yeah. it's bad, that's, and I think that's what makes great. It's great because yeah. when things are going bad, they, those guys can get out of it so fast because whether, and I go back to confidence, they believe in what they do and, and yep. they kind of know that. Um, so let's, let's go to that. Uh, with your rodeo career, I mean, there's been some great wins. And what's been, you know, a couple or, or maybe the <clears throat> biggest win you've had in your career? Oh, I don't know. One of my most, actually my most proud moments in the rodeo arena was I always thrived off of, uh, off of being known to rope and to ride bucking horses. And so I guess winning the all-around at Denver one year was, was a pretty proud moment for me. I actually wasn't entered in the, um, in the team roping. I was, I was just entering the bareback riding, and I went and got on my bucking horses. I was like one, I think I was 85 and 81. I was, was going to make the short round the top three for sure probably. I flew home. I was sitting having lunch. It was snowing outside. And uh, I was just kind of killing time here at the house. And Colby Sidaway calls me. And he says, hey, you going to make short round the bareback ride? And I says, yeah, I'll be back for sure. And he goes, he goes you want to heal one for me? He says, my partner just broke his leg. I says, yeah. I says, line me a horse out. I said, I'll come back over. And he was in the last set before the short round. So I flew back over there. And we placed in the first round. And then uh, we, we had a runner in the second round. And we, we was one hole out of making the short round. I was 
really wanting to make short round in both both events. But I went enough in the bareback riding and the team roping to to beat Trevor out of the all round that year. Right. And uh, so to have Trevor come and you know shake my hand and you know I've known Trevor for a long time, but it, it's really fun when a guy like that shows some some respect towards you and stuff, you know. And so it's fun to to win the all round there. Um, obviously qualifying for the national finals rodeo, um, just. Later on that year, I, I headed for Matt Zankanella at um, uh, Lewiston at the at the rodeo at Lewiston. His partner didn't didn't show up, and and I win the all around there. We were four or five, and uh, so I I was able to win two all rounds that year, one heading, one healing, and then obviously work on the bareback riding. So, you know, those are kind of the the ones that stick out. But I've shoot, I've won some of the biggest rodeos out there. But it's kind of funny how the all around the all-around buckles stand out more to me. Right. Those, man, they're tough to win. Like, placing in placing in events, and, and that's kind of, it goes back to your mindset because it feels like a, it's so different being prepared. I, I don't, man, I, like, for me, just I've always team roped at the rodeos, yeah. and I couldn't imagine going a couple events and, and trying to be focused enough that I would, you know, feel competitive at them. So I think it takes a, it takes a lot of discipline that way. Yeah, that, and those were just definitely reaction moments. You know, I'd never been on either one of the horses before. And, I mean, Denver and Lewiston are two rodeos where they're not just pumpkin roller rodeos. Yeah. <laughs> you got the best guys in the world competing at them. So it was really fun to place at both of them in the team roping. Right. So early in your rodeo career, and I mean, even to this day you might, uh, do you work on, do you set goals or do you kind of, how, how did you kind of do that and try to progress with your, you know, you know how you're competing yeah goal setting is huge um you got to set them goals and and you got to attack them otherwise it's just uh, it's almost just like a scatterbrain process you know you don't feel like you get everything done so um setting goals is, is a huge thing being staying positive and still today you know now we're in the business world so goal setting is huge um get and you know we're real big me and my wife are real big on you know uh staying in shape I still work out to this day every day and I still haven't worked out today I better work out a little later this afternoon but you know it's hard because we got kids and and uh so you have to give yourself a shot first you have to invest in yourself and health is is key you know so um keep yourself healthy set them goals and be positive that's kind of the three things that we try to live by right well, man, I, you know, when you talk about investing in yourself, that's something that's really, I, I, I think I read the quote on Instagram the other day, and it just really, really stuck with me, but it talked about no matter what we're doing in life, we're exchanging something for it. And even if it's running a business or whatever, we're sacrificing our health. You know, a lot of guys are out there rodeoing, things like that. They're probably not eating that healthy, not living that healthy lifestyle, and that's something they're going to have to pay for at a later time. And the same people that you know, the entrepreneurs that work 18 hours a day, there's sacrifices in everything we do. And in the end game, you know, as we get older, if we do not invest in our health, I think it, it will show. And, uh, and so that's something that has really been on my mind and I try to, I don't probably stay in the gym enough or and take, you know, take good enough care of myself, but I, I try to keep it on my mind. And that's something that I, I try to do it with our horses because, you know, if we can't invest in ourselves and our horses, you know, everything becomes so short term. And I think that that is the hardest thing is rodeoing and roping, it's real easy to go up and down fast. 
But if you can stay there consistently for a long time, and I think that comes to having you being healthy mentally and physically, your horses being the same way, feeling good, it, it just increases the odds of you winning. So I think that's so important along with all that. Yeah, it, for sure. I, I kind of freaked myself out last night. It's funny that we're talking about this right now because last night I was thinking, you know, you think about all the stuff that you can do better at the end of the day. At least I do. I'm like, shoot, I could have done this or that or whatever. But I was thinking about, I'm 37 years old now, okay? And I think about, I remember childhood memories. I remember junior high memories, high school, college, all this stuff. And it seems like yesterday. It didn't take that long to get to where I'm at. And then you think about statistics, say I think 75 years old is the average you know, age that people pass away in America or something like that, 75, 80, or whatever it is. And I'm like, my life is halfway over, right. like statistically. I mean, who knows? I could live to be 100. Yeah. But I'm just like, holy crap, I have so much stuff that I want to do still in my life. I do not even feel like I've even tapped into the stuff that I want to do with my life. And so I'm like, okay, what do I need to hustle and, and make this better? And so it makes me want to grind even more and uh, really take care of myself and give, give myself a shot in return, give my family a shot and just better my life. Well, I think there's so many times we could just sit there and, uh, and let things go by and do, do the easy way, you know, turn on the TV or whatever it is and, and not do what we might need to do or could help us get to our goals and man, it's funny that you're, you know, you're talking about it because it really jumped out to me the other day. I was at, at Goodyear's Rodeo the other day and I was talking to a buddy of mine and I was like, and man, I'm, we, we've been rodeoing quite a bit at this point and, and we were just kind of talking about the summer and everything, how it's going. And, and uh, he's like, man, I sure wish I was out here rodeoing. And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, there's no reason. I said, you're, you know, these, there's not many years left of rodeo that you have or going to want to do it. Yeah. And so we got... I think that even when it sucks, it's still going to be worth doing it as we get older, you know. And so embracing those moments where it's like, hey, you know what, these all-night drives, I'm tired, I'm broke, whatever it is, you, we can, there's excuses. They're, they're really easy to come up with. But, man, if you think about it, when you're not rodeoing, you're like, man, I, are you going to regret never trying or yeah. never staying with it or whatever it is? And if you think, and that's what really kind of has kept me going. I was like, man, I could... I got a lot of things that I try to do, but I can, can't imagine not, you know, 15 years from now just being like, man, I, I didn't even try. I didn't stay with it. And I, yeah. that, that, that really eats me up. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I walked away from rodeo here four years ago, and uh, I may go to some circuit rodeos and the team roping or something just to – because, you know, I've got some nice horses that I would like to – I got a really nice buckskin horse right now that I would like to take some circuit rodeos. I feel bad for him. He's just sitting in the pen at home, but he has that potential to go and win. But when I walked away from rodeo full time, I was good with it. I felt like I had accomplished some great things, um, but my, my mindset went to something else. I got two little kids and a wife at home, and I was gone all the time, and uh, I wasn't seeing those moments. And so I made that decision in my mind, and I knew that it was going to be hard to walk away at, at one point, but I feel like I made it the, the greatest decision ever because I've, I'm fulfilling so many um, other dreams with my family. And so I was able to do that. And I didn't have the, the healthiest career 
Um, I know I probably could have accomplished more, but I'm good with what I did accomplish. Well, and, and that's what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because I, I think that uh, I want to hear your answer on this. You know, you, you had a, a very good rodeo career, but, man, you had some lows. I mean, there was – take me through a couple of the hardest moments and just what, you know, what it took to get through some of that stuff. You know, uh, it's inevitable that you're, you're going to get hurt in that game. I mean, I always tell the, any students that I have that want to learn how to ride bucking horses – you're gonna get hurt at some point. This is not a this is not a sport that you just walk through and not have any bumps and bruises or broken bones. Um, so I I knew that there was gonna be part of that, but they come at moments that sometimes that are just not the greatest times. The 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 first you know I I guess when I was in high school I I broke three ribs and run a rib through my spleen and it had internal bleeding that take my spleen out that was a good one and but I was still young at that time and I I guess it kind of got me off on the right foot of learning how to come back from injuries at that time but another one that I guess the big one that really stuck out of my mind is is I finally qualify for the national finals rodeo I go in number five in the world have a shot at winning the world that year. And the very first round, I break my pelvis at the National Finals Rodeo. Not a lot of people knew that. Um, I did it getting off on the picket man. I just, the top of my rigging kind of uh, just hit me in the pelvis and cracked it. And I talked to Tandy, and because I told him, I said, man, I said, I'm really, I, I feel like I'm just split in the middle here. And he says, well, let's take an x-ray and, and see. And so we took x-rays, and he's like, holy crap, he says, you, you fractured your pelvis. And I says, well, what does this mean? And he says, well, he says, you're not going to break it any worse. He says, you can keep riding if you feel like you can handle the pain. But he goes, that's going to be painful. And he was right. It was really painful. And I rode five more rounds with a broken pelvis just trying to win the world. And I and they were probably the worst rounds to probably get on bucking horses in. I got on the, the – the TV pin, the eliminator, the semi eliminators, like all the bad, all the bad horses that you, yeah. that you can think of. Um, so that one right there was heartbreaking when I had to pull out of the national finals rodeo and, and a shot at winning the world. Um, so I get healed, I get healed up from that and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm positive. I'm coming back. Um, feeling pretty good. I finish out the next half of the year because I had to take like six months off. Um, felt pretty good, had a good shot. I was in the top five in the world coming in. Um, I entered a rodeo in Arizona, Yuma, Arizona, right before San Antonio. I was like, oh, I'll go get on down here. And right before I'm up at San Antonio, kind of get feeling good. I go out there, had a horse tread jump fence with me, and I break my right leg off just right below the knee, folded my leg completely back, and had a rod and four screws put in that leg. Well, now I'm like, holy crap, this is the second big injury right here along with each other. And uh, took another six months off there. And I come back the next year and was having a good year in the top 20 in the world. And we hit Preston, Idaho on our way to Cheyenne. Me and Caleb Bennett were rodeoing together. And I had a horse hook a toe in the hooked my toe in the shoot gate leaving and wrenched my left foot on backwards. And I broke my left, my left leg. So, I mean, I had this one thing after another and each one is just trying to drag my confidence down. But I think what got me through was an overall picture of just realizing that rodeo is not, rodeo is not an end game. 
Rodeo is not an in-game be-all. This is something that we do while we're here that we love to do, and you better have a passion for it because yeah. it, that's just what I realized. Hey, I, all my friends, all my connections that I have up to this point have all come through Rodeo, and I am so thankful to have them people in my life. Other than that, the world titles, nobody is going to remember who won the world title 16 years ago unless they look it up in a book, you know? So anyway, so I, I didn't let it worry me. And I just tried to keep a positive attitude through it all. I mean, it all comes back to positivity. So all those injuries and just knowing you can kind of overcome them and get through it, is that something now you apply to, you know, your, your team roping and your horse training and, you know, the silver lining? And is that, is that, what has been the biggest lesson from those injuries that you've applied to other things in your life? Just knowing that as long as your heart's still beating and, and, everything it's up to us whether we finish the the run or not you know everybody anybody can sit around and mope about it but no matter how hard how hard it is for for me I know that there's somebody else out there that's got it harder you know somebody else is is struggling with way more than this and I need to realize I don't need to sit around and mope about it you need to figure out how to make it work this is the hand that I was dealt don't sit here and freaking whine let's let's figure it out I still have my, my mind, my ability to talk. I still have, you know, so many things. I might have a broken leg, but I can do a lot of other things. Yeah. So just get up and grind. I think my wife sometimes gets irritated with me because uh, kids might be whining about something. I'll be like, toughen up. You know, you're not, you're not bleeding or you're not bleeding that hard or something, you know. But sometimes I can be tough, but a little tough love, so that's all right. Well, man, I'll be honest. The bareback riding is like a, it's like a car wreck every time. It looks to me <laughs> like even, I mean, that's the craziest thing is I, I know like bulldogging's pretty hard on guys or you can make some good runs and still get hurt, but bareback riding, it looks, you got to be strong to do it. And, and you got to, you take a beating no matter what. So it's, it's a, it's a rough sport, especially for rodeo. It's the roughest one in rodeo, I'd have to say. So, you know, staying, yeah. staying like that and, and, and keeping it, you know, in perspective, I think that's really important because Rodeoing will teach, I'll teach you a lot about yourself, what you can handle, you know, because you're going to put yourself, it doesn't matter what, what event you're doing, you're going to put yourself through some trials. Mm -hmm. And if you can get through the other side, you can always apply them. And it's just like that. You, you can take those lessons and apply it to life and, and teaching and, and everything else you're doing. And that's, man, that's, it makes it hard to beat a guy that's rodeoed. You know, a guy that's a winner yeah. at rodeo and has stayed with it and really think, like the guy that believes he's a winner and, and believes he's a winner at rodeo, you can't hardly beat that guy at anything. I mean, they, they don't quit. You know, they're, they're tough. They're really tough mentally. Yeah, rodeo, rodeo teaches a guy a lot. I'm, I'm glad that I rodeoed and, and went through that experience. Um, you know, everything, I mean, I run into a kid one time at Caldwell after the short round, a kid I high school rodeoed with, and he said uh, – I think I'd place at Caldwell and I was doing, doing all right that year, but he's like, man, I've been watching you on TV and this and that. And he's like, God, I'm just so jealous of you guys. And this kid's, this kid's got a great job. I think he was making like 50, $60 an hour. I mean, he probably had a full bank account and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, who knows? I probably had $2,500 in my whole name or whatever, but you know, he's just looking at the glam part of it, but it's not all glamorous. I mean, shoot, they don't see, that the times where 95% of the time where you're 
getting off one bucking horse, jumping in a rig, and you're driving 14 hours to get to the next one, and you're eating gas station food, and, you know, I mean, it's a grind. But it does teach you mental toughness. It does teach you how – it does teach you respect because there's times where where it will humble you for sure. Yeah. Glad I got it. Yeah, it's uh, – there's definitely some humbling moments, that's <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. I have, I think I have more than my fair share. Yeah. Um, Man, one question I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you know, your, your dad, 11-time NFR mm-hmm. qualifier, right? So that's, that's kind of a unique thing because uh, a lot of kids at their, their dad's rodeo, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But, man, that's a, that's a big shadow. So kind of coming up with that, you can learn a lot from your dad, like you're talking about how he kind of – he didn't really push it on you and kind of allowed you to, mm-hmm. to kind of get confident in it and, and decide that you wanted to do it. But did that kind of get a chip on your shoulder, or do you just feed off your dad, or how did you know how did that kind of work having a, having something like that in your life? Yeah, so a lot of people thought it was a I don't know kind of a, a privilege thing. They're like, oh, you're so lucky and this and that. But you know, I still had to learn. I I didn't know it. I mean, I'd never been on any bucking horses before I got on my first one. You know, so I still had to learn it. But I felt like I always had more pressure a little bit because people expected me to ride good even from the first time and I and then when they see me ride they're like oh he wasn't that great he sucked you know well then I had to overcome that because you know people were expecting me to do that and and like I said when I started riding bucking horses I didn't have a passion for riding bucking horses a lot of people when they start riding bucking horses have a passion for riding bucking horses and so they want to learn but I was just kind of doing it out of peer pressure there for a while until I, until I started figuring it out but you know it had its ups and ups and downs but um I wouldn't I wouldn't take it back because I had I always had a good coach you know always so. is there anything that you'd like recommend like even even for guys that maybe don't have access to that but they might get a little access to a guy that's been really successful that you you maybe you wish you to ask your dad more about when you're younger especially kind of those high school years are kind of getting started out what i would recommend to everybody is is do your due diligence and find a good coach find somebody because i swear there's so many people that have a friend or an acquaintance that has that's uh has done this or that but they're just somebody that always wanted to but wants to mentor somebody I think if you if you make sure you find the right coach and there's I know so many guys in in my industry that um you know are always willing to help and especially nowadays there's so many act so much access to good coaching you know whether it's online or or whatever you have to create that solid good foundation right off because if you create bad habits first it's really hard to reverse those and come back to what's proper. So if you, if, if you are learning something, make sure that you seek out and find somebody who is a reputable coach that knows the industry and knows how to do it. I think that's solid right there. I really like that one. Well, man, your dad, he's cowboy. And, mm-hmm. that, and what's so crazy to me about it is um, how long has Silver Lining Herbs been around? So officially, it's been it's been in business twenty years this year. We're celebrating our twentieth year anniversary. But you know, the herb deal has been around with my dad for as long as I can remember. You know, my my grandma was a naturopath for humans, and she 
she was always, you know, pe once she would get the people uh, kind of on the right path, they'd start asking questions about, do you do anything with horses or dogs? And, and my dad was doing stuff with his own horses and dogs and stuff. So, so she would pass them on to him. And that's just kind of how it developed. Right. And so is that where your passion come from to, to help horses and dogs as well? Yeah, we've always been, you know, my dad owned a rodeo company when I was growing up and uh, he, we took livestock to the national finals rodeo quite a few years. And so I've always been around a lot of livestock and that's your, that's your livelihood. They're, they're, they're part of your family, stuff like that. So you want to see your, your, your livestock thrive and do good. And uh, through the herbs is, is where we, we've seen that connect. And uh, for people that are not familiar, will you kind of give us a rundown on silver lining herbs and, and basically how it helps support horses and, and dogs? Yeah, so we make a, a health product for horses and dogs, and we have oh, roughly 35 different mixes. And we have something for the whole horse or the whole dog. Um, when my dad developed the line, he, he tried to come up with a one-all product that would would help in every area but it's just not possible um you know ver the the key to our product is variety is key when you lock these horses up and put them in a confined area and throw hay over the fence to them every day at some point they're going to be lacking something in their system opposed to if they're out in the in the countryside and they can graze and pick because horses are grazers by nature they'll graze and they'll pick stuff that they need it's just like us when we're when we're like maybe feel a cold coming on or getting a little sick your body craves something whether it's hot peppers or whether it's tomatoes or cucumbers or something there's something within those products that your body is lacking that's why your body is craving it so what we've done is just simply package these variety products for the horses whether it's to support the immune system or their liver or their kidneys or um, just overall general health and and that's what we do right and I, man I gotta say I, I haven't been there for around I don't know how I mean I'm 31 I, I guess I've been roping since I'm about 15 16 years old but man I've had a few experiences right off um, with it and it's amazing to see and as we kind of pay attention to our horses health just some of the results um, that I've seen over the last 15 years essentially uh, and, and so what I wanted to kind of talk about is kind of signs, you know, that you would see, like, especially for team ropers, what are a couple of things that you might see in some horses that you're like, oh, man, maybe, maybe we could support it in some way, or if you, like, recommended, hey, this is what you might be feeling if your horse is doing this, uh, so that people might understand that a little bit better, like, hey, but, you know, my, my horse is acting weird, and he started and he wasn't doing this, maybe he's not, you know, maybe something's off. Yeah, so, you know, I, I go to a lot of team ropings because I jackpot myself these days, and, and I see a lot of, you see a lot of signs that are out there. What I would recommend for people to do is just really try to become a study of their, of their horse, uh, his routines, and, and what a actual healthy horse looks like. And it might be your horse. It might be, you know, not everybody has an unhealthy horse. I'm not saying that. But is just staying proactive and, and, catching it before it becomes a big issue. So a lot of things that I see in the team roping world is a horse with a ringing tail. You see that, that tail ringing, it, it's up and ringing like that. You know, horses aren't, 
aren't characters that just always want to wring their tail. They're doing it because there's probably a, something hurting them. Okay. Yeah. Um, horses that, you know, are bad in the box or they're flipping their, their butt out of the corner and stuff like that. Yeah, it could be you, you might have run too many steers on him and you need to go home and score and, and let him relax. But it also could be, hey, he knows what's coming out in the field and it hurts him to pull that steer. Um, I was just saying to you earlier at lunch, you know, horses that are bending too much in the middle and taking that pull from straight from the side instead of wanting to get their butt into it just a little more and pull, they're taking it from the side. If you got a horse that's doing anything out of the ordinary, like he, he worked great a month ago and now he's not working great, he didn't just turn into a piece of crap. He's trying to tell you, hey, it hurts me to pull the steer or, hey, it hurts me to take that jerk on the heel side. You know, um, we talked about a horse that is not stopping as hard or is coming out of that stop. A lot of times it could be an, an ulcer issue if he's if it's hurting him to take that jerk. That ulcer point is right where your back cinch comes under the horse. OK, so if he's taking a hit. You're, you got a steer that's running hard, and he's you, you rope him, go to the horn, he's coming out of that. That could be an ulcer issue. Um, a horse that doesn't stop as hard could be a kidney issue, okay? The, the kidneys, the kidney point sits right about where the back of the bars of your saddle sit. That would be something that would not make your horse pull as hard as well because you're pulling that saddle into them kidney points. If it's sensitive, if you palpate him over the back there, and if it's sensitive to either brush him there or run your fingers across there, then how do you think it feels when you hook a, you know, a 400 pound steer to your saddle horn and put all that pressure on the saddle horn? So those are some, some, you know, some signs that you can tell that your horse might need some support in those areas. Right. And I always go off it too, like, um, man, I've, with my head horses, especially, I always love the analogy, but if I've got a stomach ache and I got to go run, yeah, how am I going to act? And and that's the one thing, like, I, I, I keep my, a lot of my horses on it, especially when I'm traveling. I, I usually just stay with the digestive all the time because I'm, I'm out there traveling. The other one I use is a kidney support because I, it kind of helps them. It, to me, it helps them. They, they feel like they drink better. Their stomach feels better. You're constantly stressing these horses. So you want them eating and feeling as good as possible. And, uh, and they're producing a lot of lactic acid when they're working anyways. So you're kind of, you're trying to help them. With a, yeah. you know, the more, basically the more water you're drinking and kind of flushing that system out, it, it seems to help and you, just overall health of your horses. And, that, and that's what I, we always try to, to tell people is be proactive. And that's what's cool about these products is it's, it's not going to, you can be proactive with these products because it's 100% all natural, um, that it's recognizable as food, you know, and that they can use it. And so you can be proactive with it and you can feed it just to just to stay ahead of the game not if there's just an issue yes it's it works great if there is an issue but let's let's stay ahead of that issue right and you know i've said a couple of times about the the number 37 kidney kidney support i've talked about that a couple times we've noticed that a lot of people these days do not uh address the kidneys unless there's an issue we found out that there's a lot of horses out there with kidney issues and so we create a product that um that you can do that. And I, we, we related to getting the oil changed in your truck. You know, your truck doesn't run good unless you change the oil in it, right? You got to do that a few times a year. 
So it's the same thing with the kidney. If those kidneys aren't doing their job and you have a blockage there, those impurities aren't being uh, peed out on the ground like they're supposed to, then those impurities are gonna settle somewhere else. Laws of gravity still work, they're still gonna run downhill. That's when you, you see them in the hip and the whirl bone and the hocks and like right on down to the foot, those impurities go somewhere, okay? So um, when you have horses uh, that are sensitive on that top line, a lot of times it's because of a, a, a kidney issue. And so that's why we've created this product. Right. Well, and that's, we were talking about early, in, earlier, investing in ourselves and our horses, and that's me. I'm, I mean, I take a lot of supplements. I try to eat as clean as I can, especially when I'm home. Because it's, it's tough out there when you're traveling and to eat clean. And I feel like, I mean, everyone can relate, is when you go to the gas station and eat a candy bar and drink a pop, man, you feel like crap afterwards. And, and if we're not putting good nutrients in our body, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit. And I think for horses, like you said, they're, where they're designed to graze. And, I mean, it goes to the same as a horse. They, don't, they wouldn't be eating first cut hay or second cut hay all year long. They would be eating with the seasons and how it would grow and what, and what was kind of there. So to kind of to get it where they might be missing out on some, some key nutrient, you know, some nutrition that they, they wouldn't get. And I think that's where it fits so well, and I think it's so important. Yeah, you, especially in the team roping world, um, I don't care who you are and how good you rope. If your horse ain't performing and he ain't at his top ability, you, you're nothing. I mean, you got to keep your horses healthy. And um, it's a lot cheaper to stay ahead of it before you get those big vet bills, I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So what would be like one piece of advice you'd give to, you know, that would help with someone's horse health or what you would look for? What would be one of the first things that you would – you'd tell someone to look for, or try, or, or do? You know, uh, we, we have an acupressure chart. that So we go over all of our, our horses with acupressure. Um, you know, and in quick response to that, there's uh, 12 energy highways that run through that horse. And every one of those highways has a certain point that indicates something on that horse. And... Uh, and it shows up before any testing ever will. If there's, if that horse is sensitive there, he's not just faking it. I mean, he's not going to drop out of you touching him there just, just because. So it shows up, and that's what we use. And you know, anybody can call the office here, and we'll, uh, you know, email or or fax them that acupressure sheet where they can kind of use it for themselves. It's a good thing. But you know, I, I would just say um, try to stay. Try to stay ahead of, of your issues. And anything that you put in your horse or on your horse, one of those organs has to deal with it. So always keep that in mind. Um, those chemicals, the, the liver has to deal with it at some point. And if your liver and your kidneys aren't working properly, then you're going to have a big breakdown at some point. Or your horse is going to quit working. Right. So. And then what about, what are your favorite products? Let's, so let's go with. We, we've got a couple products here that we brought out. Some of these are our, our kind of our best uh, selling products. I'll start, I, I obviously just explained the number 37 kidney support. I feel like every, every horse that's out there can benefit from 37 kidney support. Um, this product right here, this is our CBD for horses. It's a 3,000 milligram CBD product. Um, we've, we've had this release for about, two and a half months now, maybe three months. We've seen some great results. Uh, I've used it on my own horses 
Um, it's great for pain, inflammation, and anxiety, and what horse out there doesn't need help with that, especially in the rodeo world, team roping world. Um, so that, that product right there is a good one. Um, our next one is our number 44 hemp seed coconut oil. Uh, this is a topical oil. It goes great with all of our powdered products. It helps the herbs stick to the grain. But not only that, it's got those good omega-3 fatty acids in it. It's great for uh, immune support, joint support, cardiovascular support, uh, digestive support. Um, it's just a great all-around oil. And we have a lot of people that just use this as well. So um, our number 17 colicies, that's a must-have in every trailer uh, that's going up and down the road. I got to jump in that. No, that's a, a must, must have, yeah. um, that it is unbelievable. Probably by far the one that can change we, your everything. We, we used to put that in a powder product. And then when you, a horse was colicking, you had to put it in a cup and put some water with it and mix it up and, and, and shoot it. And I still keep the powder product in my trailer because every time I have one of these in my trailer, I go to an event, I give it away to somebody because somebody's horse is colicking. This is already ready to go. You, if the first sign of a stomach ache, just put that in their mouth. And, you know, as long as their guts aren't twisted, you know, five, 10 minutes, they're walking out, licking their lips. So that's a great, great product to just to have on hand at all times, especially the people that are going to be hunting and back in the mountains where vets are way, way, way away and they can't get one to them. That's a great product keeping your saddlebags. Um, and then obviously our digestive support, this is just to keep the, a healthy digestive system um, and dige digestive systems are key, you know, so those go hand in hand. So awesome. Yeah. Well, Josie, I appreciate it. And just so you guys know, uh, we did this uh, Facebook live with this group. Um, I, we got a few of the questions in. That's kind of what I asked kind of throughout the podcast. So that's something that we're looking to do now is with our, our Facebook group is just be able to make guys a little bit more interactive. So I really appreciate you being here today. And uh, man, it's fun. I feel like we learned a lot. For sure. Thanks for having me on.